Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Welcome to the EquipCast. Uh, my name is Jim Jansen, and I'm your host. If you're not listening with a friend and you know a friend really needs to listen to the EquipCast, uh, send me to equip.archomaha.org. There you can subscribe. Of course, you can share it from your phone. Just text them uh, this wonderful episode. But that's where you find all the show notes and the blog and some other cool resources, equip.archomaha.org. I say this because even though like we just hit record and we're getting started here, I know you're going to love this episode. Uh, Michelle Zolke is with us all the way from Creighton, Nebraska, um, little small town, Northeast Nebraska. Uh, Michelle is a wife and a mother and a mentor. And we're going to talk a little bit today about what it means to evangelize as one friend to another. Michelle, how are you? I am well. Very well. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here and chat about this. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking your time out. I don't know. I don't hear any kids screaming in the background. So I'm sure somebody is watching a video or, or, you know, sedated with candy outside or something. Well, I mean, it's funny you're speaking of friendship because I have a wonderful, beautiful friend who offered to take all four of my children with her after school today and is hanging out with them. So I have no one in the house. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. Very rare. Rare moment. Yes. Very rare moment. So I didn't know that the clock, I didn't know the clock ticked in my house. That's how (laughs) noisy it is in my house. I was like, what is this noise? And it is the clock ticking. How many children do you have? (laughs) I have four children, uh, eight, six, five, and three. Yeah. And I think our listeners know I have six children, a freshman in college, Mm -hmm. two teens in high school, pray for us, and then a little bit of a break. And then I have a nine-year-old boy and a seven-year-old girl and a three-year-old girl. So we've got like two little families. We've got like the little kids and the big kids. Uh, Only the little (laughs) kids are turning into big kids very quickly. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay. So Michelle, you know, you listen to the EquipCast now on the other other side. Tell us, a little, you know how this goes. Tell us a little bit about your story. Like when did you first encounter Jesus? Just give us a little sketch of your, your, uh, your faith journey. So I was very blessed to grow up in a Christian home. So from birth, always knew Jesus. Um, it is funny why I think I am the way I am. And so passionate about evangelization in the church is because I always, when I reflect on this, I always think my mom was Methodist. And my dad was the youngest of 10 kids, a very Catholic family. And so my mom is one of six and my mom's mom was just personal relationship with Jesus, wonderful grandma. So my mom became Catholic when she married my dad. Mm. And, but I feel like because I had my mom, like Catholics in that generation were not yet ready to be starting to share the gospel. I feel like in my dad's growing up and, you know, so I I didn't necessarily get that. Oh yeah. I can, my my first experience as a missionary, you know, when I was fundraising my salary, telling people, Hey, I'm going to be a missionary. We're going to do Bible studies. And often people would kind of look at me sideways and say, 
does the bishop know? <laughs> I, like, I I think so. <laughs> you know, I was like, but it was just it was very countercultural. Just you know, just yes. twenty years ago in the Catholic world. Right. So I feel like I had this beautiful mix of my mom always talking about Jesus and prayer and having a relationship with Jesus because that is what she grew up with. And she definitely had the passion of like praise and worship and stuff like that. So I was so blessed to have that with my mom. And then with my dad, specifically my grandma, I mean, just going to her house, like she exuded holiness, you know, daily rosary prayer, going to mass with my grandma was one of my favorite things to do because it was like a little slice of heaven. You just knew she was so connected and so faithful and her house, even just the religious art and everything. It was, I have such uh, admiration for my grandma. So I feel like I got that deep sense of holiness from my dad's side of just like the beauty of the Catholic church. And then for my mom, just bringing her upbringing of this personal relationship with Jesus. I, I was just really blessed to have that mix. And then now to just be in this time in the church, like clearly it was, it's just a beautiful thing that I have both mm. of those. Um, so yeah, but growing up still, I would say a struggle, even though I always knew Jesus definitely struggled with anxiety and OCD specifically a lot of that in my life. And in high school, I was involved in everything, every possible thing I could be involved in, but also trying to keep that. I was a huge people pleaser. I mm-hmm. did not want to let anyone down. And that's why I never said no to anything. I did everything, but then also trying to keep that status of um, how I was perceived as maybe like the good girl. Like Mm -hmm. I did the right things and adults would pat me on the back. You're just on the right path. But that was, I, I, I never really appreciated those comments because I felt so lonely. I was Mm. so lonely because I was trying to perform or put on this, show almost of what I, what people's expectations were of me. And also just being so busy. I heard the statistic once the most lonely person in high school is the girl who is involved in everything. And I was like, that was me. I was just running from thing to thing to thing. Didn't have enough time to develop quality relationships. Even as I am standing on the podium, becoming homecoming queen, it's like not filling this void that I need for people to like me. Like you'd think that would have been the fulfillment, you know, but no, like it was all an act. I didn't feel like at that moment I was so lonely. I'm like, I don't have any true friends yeah. who know the real me. It's so I'm a recovering people pleaser myself, <laughs> you know, and it's, that's just, ah, yeah. It's so people don't realize like that's the dark side of, of being a people pleaser is it just makes you more lonely. It serves to, yes. it, it, it deepens the isolation. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So, um, the summer after my senior year, I had signed up to go on this mission trip at through Norfolk Catholic, um, to Jamaica. And I was so excited. And once again, I think going into it, although you like everyone would say, you know, like, Oh, that's so amazing that you're going on a mission trip, (laughs) but deep down, it's still part of it is just like, this is the right thing to do. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I I went into it with all these things. I'm going to do all this great stuff for the Lord. And this is the right thing to do. And this is really probably my biggest conversion moment is as I am on this flight with all these new people down to Jamaica, I'm feeling all of my insecurities. Like I'm not good enough. Nobody likes me, all of this stuff as I'm going down there. And I get there and we have mass the first night. And it's just, 
I have never cried like this in my entire life. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what tri- I mean, obviously the Holy Spirit triggered it, but it was embarrassing. <laughs> I was <laughs> ugly crying from all these people that I didn't know. That's, a, techni- that's a technical term, isn't it? Ugly crying. It is a technical term. Okay. Just for the guys I, I in there who have no, our, our male <laughs> listeners who have no idea, like that's, yeah. Okay. Keep going. Yes. Yes. Ugly crying. So I couldn't stop. I was, I like wanted to stop. I couldn't stop crying. Just this overwhelming sense of Jesus looking at that, the crucifix in this chapel of Jesus looking at me with complete love. Hmm. That's all it was. I mean, there was not a big explanation. It was just me and Jesus there. And he was the gaze, his gaze looking on me with so much love was so powerful that after that moment, those insecurities, I mean, not that through the years, obviously the enemy still tries to speak the lie back in your ear, but it was like instant freedom of not having to people please anymore. Cause I had just felt my identity so rooted in the gaze of Jesus right there. I didn't need to please anyone. I didn't need to perform anymore. I just needed to rest in Christ's love. So that was a huge freeing moment. It was so freeing. And through the course of that trip, I, it just completely flipped. I had thought I was going to go there and do all this great stuff for the Lord. And it basically, I just became convicted of, you need to go home and love the people closest to you. So I really think this idea of building friendships and evangelizing right where you are all kind of started on that trip of just, yeah, this deep conviction of you've been neglecting the people right next to you of loving and serving them well. And it wasn't a shame thing. It wasn't like I was being shamed. It was just like, an aha moment. Like you have the yeah. freedom now to just go and be where you are and love the people well there where I've put you. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, Michelle, as you talk <laughs> about that, like that, I mean, that very much sounds again for, you know, for listeners who maybe don't struggle as people pleasers, it may be a little challenging to relate, but for those of us who have, that's like a quasi miraculous healing moment. Uh, Cause for so many of us, it haunts us our entire lives into our, you know, well into adulthood, 40s, 50s. Um, and then we start living vicariously through our kids and all sorts of weird stuff. It occurs to me as you talk about this, there's this healing, which ends up being a spark, right? Of, of being able to, to, to be a real friend to, and, and to share your faith with people around you. It starts with this profound encounter, right? This kind of moment of prayer. I'm just drawn, we were talking earlier, share a little bit more about what the Lord has been doing lately in your prayer. Um, Because I I think that's a firm foundation for us to get this conversation started. Yeah. Yeah. So just uh, very convicted that anything good that God has done in my ministry, my apostolate, whatever has always come from him, from an intense experience in prayer, the more I've... um, gone to him and let him give me my identity and rooted myself in him. He does all the work. He does all the work. So I've really been, uh, I was telling Jim that, um, in August, end of August, my friends and I, who there's four of us who've been trying to get together and just dream, just dream for Christ and what is possible in our parish and then support each other in going and making these dreams reality. And our first thing is we wanted to put just on a little three hour retreat for women in our community on a Sunday afternoon. And we had put so much prayer and love and energy into that. And I felt so much purpose in that. 
And that was the end of August. And then when it was done, it was like this instant desolation of like, what's next? Mm-hmm. And I've, ever since that moment in Jamaica, I really feel like God has always had just this clear path for me. This is the next step. I felt so much consolation, so much excitement. Let's go, Lord. Over the last couple of months, it's been like, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I feel in prayer, when I hear prayer, Jesus is asking me to just, he wants more of my heart. He wants another level of deepness, even though I'm like, I didn't know that was possible. He's like, let's go even deeper. And uh, the Bible verse that's been really sticking with me is Exodus 14, 14, which is the Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. And I know that it's a grace and a consolation, but I fight it so hard. I'm like, no, Lord, I have got to be doing something. I've got to be doing something. And Mm. he just keeps reminding me, I want more of you. I want more of your heart. Every time in my ministry, it's been that moment of complete surrender to Jesus that he has um, then produced a fruit through that moment. So I'm just really trying to dive more deeply into the heart of Jesus and let him love me on a deeper level. Yeah. Michelle, I think I don't want to project myself on, on our listeners, but I think a lot of people can relate to that. The, the, the rest, I would say particularly the restlessness, right. Where it's like, okay, I love the Lord. I want to, I want to serve him. And, and I, and I do, and it's joyful, but sometimes there's this restlessness where it's, it's like, I want it more than, than Jesus. How do you fight through the restlessness? How have you gone deeper in prayer? Oh, that's challenging. But I have picked up a half holy hour within the last couple months. Nice. Our church has adoration all day on Thursdays. And to really try to go into that, um, and just sit at the feet of Jesus and take that time. Cause I, I try to do my, my, my Lexio every day. And I have been tending to find myself like, Lord, here are all my anxieties. You got to fix this. What do you want from me? Do this, do this in my prayer. When I'm relating, I've been trying in adoration to just sit and receive his love. Let him look on me with love. And I feel like I kind of forgot that <laughs> once I received that, I felt so here's my mission. Now I have to go and help other people's have this experience. And I felt Jesus kind of calling me back to, I never wanted you to stop experiencing that. Like, I want you to help other people experience that, but it's still for you. You, I still want you to experience it in your everyday of being able to just rest in me and receive my love. It doesn't always have to be what's the next thing to help someone else receive it. I still desire just your heart. Yeah. So that's kind of been the, the hard work for me yeah. is to just go back and like prayer doesn't have to, prayer can be just wasting time with Jesus. I don't remember where I just read that, but I have permission to waste time with Jesus in prayer. I don't have to be figuring out all the next moves in my yeah. apostolate, in my ministry. Where those of us who are kind of like active, like we tend to like, yeah, I tend to, and I mean, Jesus is cool with it sometimes, but I tend to turn my prayer time into a planning time with, with the Lord. And he's cool and he rolls with it sometimes, but like a good friend, he's like, can we just like sit and just kind of be together for a little while? (laughs) 
you know, I'm, I'm reminded as you as you talk about that, uh, there's a there's a uh, kind of famous letter that Mother Teresa wrote to her sisters, where, I mean, I'll, I'll paraphrase a little bit, but he basically says the same. She says the same thing to her sisters, like, like just let him look at you, let him love you, you know. Like as she says, I'm worried that you don't really know him yet. You know, that you have to know how much he loves you and how much he thirsts for you. And, and I remember, you know, reading that as a, you know, 22-year-old guy. I'm like, oh, crap. These are missionaries of charity. Like, these are nuns. You know, and Mother Teresa is like, not sure if they know Jesus. It's like, yikes, what does it say about me? But it yes. really, uh, we, we, always, we need to hear that. We need the reminder. Absolutely. So let's dive in a little bit here. Um, so most of our listeners, right, are people uh, and people with friends. <laughs> I hope so. No, no show of hands needed if you're not. Uh, maybe this will help if you don't have friends. But you served in a formal ministry role, several right within your parish. Very fruitful. The Lord did beautiful things uh, there. But recently, it seems like the Lord has been using friendship as the vehicle for you to live out your calling as a missionary disciple. Tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah. So when Father Jeff Florig, which I am assuming, mission assume many of you know who Father mm-hmm. Jeff Florig is. Shout out. He's the voice he, at the beginning, if you are equipped with <laughs> the promo bumper. <laughs> and he, we were blessed to have Father Jeff at Creighton, right? When he was kind of having this revelation of the call to missionary discipleship. So it was just really exciting time. And I remember my husband and I were newly married. He married us. We were the first marriage he did in Creighton. So we just have this kind of special bond with him. And then he'd asked us, we did RCIA. My husband joined the church. He did RCIA with Father Jeff. And then he'd asked us if we wanted to help with the Sunday night youth group, which we did. And Father Jeff led, which is totally not his thing. (laughs) Like It was not life-giving for him to be the leader every Sunday night of all these teens. Like it It was not his thing. So he had heard of Why Disciple and just this idea of small group investment yeah. of that personal relationship, personal investment. It's like, let's try it. So Dylan and I were blessed to kind of be at the beginning of that with him and do the trainings. Uh, I remember going to a training with Eric Gallagher and it was just like, wow, all of this finally makes sense. How's this, why, how this is supposed to happen. And so I got to start, um, with the help of some other amazing leaders, my own small group of girls, which I absolutely loved, had the time of my life. It was so much fun walking with these girls. And I feel like that was really kind of the learning spot for me where I really learned what it means to invest deeply in a few Mm, and why that's so effective. But it was so, so effective. And so that was just a beautiful time. And still those girls we're really good friends now that they're, they're grown and it's beautiful to watch them. But kind of towards the end of that, I would say my kids were getting older and I was having more of them. And so mm-hmm. it just wasn't working as well to mm-hmm. like leave them on a Wednesday night or I was bringing them with me. And then that was kind of interrupting things because they're kids and they need mm-hmm. things. And it just didn't um, seem to be like, it was, it was becoming not so clear, simple, and easy. It was coming a little more of a burden, not the part of being with the girls. I absolutely love that, but just the why, the why disciple part. And at the same time, there was a group of eight of us stay at home moms who had 
by Father Jeff's prompting, started a small group Bible study, not really knowing what we were getting into mm-hmm. and just amazing fruit happening in this women's Bible study. One, we could bring our kids with us and we could meet during the day before nap time, not at seven o'clock at night when kids are supposed to be going to sleep. It just, yeah, it was flowing so well. And then on top of that, we were having just these amazing experiences. So many of us had never had an authentic friendship before. Mm-hmm. A friendship that wanted to, that we prayed together and we built each other up in Christ. We, ha- we hadn't had that. We didn't know what it looked like. And then just the idea of talking about God in general. And we did the, the discovery series, the Catholic Christian outreach, mm-hmm. the first discovery series. And I remember at the end of that one, you're encouraged to all go to confession together. And my friend Kendra uh, jokingly says she knew, she knew that was like, when this was a real deal, like that's what we do to hang out is we go out to eat and go to confession together. But I just never like really done that (laughs) with people, but then also we just had so much fun. Um, it was just, it was good friendships. People I wanted to hang out with that we laughed with, but that, that we grew in relationship with as well. And so I think slowly through that, just realizing the youth ministry was not as easy for me anymore because of logistical things. And then seeing just this beautiful fruit and seeing these women in our community, so many women would come up to me and just say, I do not have any good friends. I have heard it countless times. Mm. Women who you would think are like by their Facebook accounts, they have just all these friends, but they kept coming to me. Like, I feel like I don't have any friends. And I was always like, what? Like you, you feel like you don't have any friends. So just this need for authentic friendship and how easy it was. That whole Bible study was so easy to bring people to Christ because it was just bringing women together and then sharing Jesus together. Yeah. And like, granted, we had, we had that, that Bible study that, you know, directed us pretty vividly along and like talked about the charisma and what that was. So that was really helpful, but I just started to feel this call of, this seems pretty clear, simple, and easy in my life. Um, I think it was hard to step away because mm-hmm. you want to be able to have a checklist. And it's easy, like when you're in Y Disciple, when you're helping with the program, people are like, oh, you're doing something. Yeah. You're doing something. Or even if you're doing it effectively or not, they're like, thank you for your service to the church. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not effective, where to say, I am not going to do any programs at church because I want to more deeply focus my time and energy on just these small groups that are not started by the church. They're just like going to be me asking women to join a study. Nobody at church might even know that we're doing it mm-hmm. is a little bit scary because you do fear like, oh, what are people going to say if they ask you, hey, will you help with, will you teach the fifth and sixth grade religion class? And you say, no, I, I'm already doing something, but they're like, what are you yeah. doing? Like, we don't see you on any of these nights. Yeah. I mean, and I just, I want to underscore this because I like, why disciple the, the, the work you were doing for the parish was fruitful. It was beautiful. It was, and yet you were feeling the Lord calling you away from that particularly that more formal setting to just a little bit more of a, just a, a ministry of a friendship. Uh, yeah. I think Michelle, do I remember right? When you had to step away, it was not clear that you had a successor and that someone else was going to pick up the mantle and run with it either. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yes. That's, how did you do that? 
Because, I mean, let's be honest, many of us have a hard time leaving a ministry role that we don't enjoy, that we don't see fruit in, when there's clearly someone else who could do it better. And and here you were able to hear the Lord's voice to, to step into something new when there wasn't a clear successor and when what you had been doing had clearly been so beautiful and fruitful. How did you do that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. That was really hard. I am an, uh, my degree is in English education and I do just naturally have a love for high schoolers. And I remember um, when this group that I had, I was going to finish till they graduated mm-hmm. senior year. And that was going to be kind of a natural break to step away. But I remember my co-leader whom I love so dearly, just being kind of like, I can't believe you're going to stop doing this because it had been so fruitful mm-hmm. and we loved it so much. Like, why would you not, why would you not keep doing this? And that was really hard because I understood all of that. Like, yes, it is so good, but I just felt the humility of not being able to do everything well. Mm. I wanted my best. Yes put forward for the Lord. And I knew that if my husband and my children were going to, you know, my main vocation was there, that was kind of being put on the backside with white disciple. Cause it didn't naturally fit into kind of our family life. But also I just had this deep conviction of uh, adult evangelization is so important mm-hmm. because once you evangelize the adults, the kids more naturally come right along because the adults are the parents of the kids. Yeah. So, and and just this, it, it felt like so much striving all the time to try to get leaders. It was so painstakingly awful to try to always convince people to be why disciple leaders. And I was just like, why are we, why are we doing this? We're trying so hard and it's not working. Yeah, it's the Why are we not investing in adults? Yeah, it's the hidden secret that the secret to youth ministry is adults, not kids. I mean, the kids matter, but having adults with faith makes all the difference. And I mean, and it's yes, it's rough because when we're really like, if you want to ask a question like, why are we why are we losing our kids? For sure there is a cultural conspiracy to steal the hearts of our young people. But let's Mm -hmm. be honest as like, you know, Beyonce just does not have as much influence as mom and dad and coaches and friends and grandparents and, and cousins and uncle. But when we do not have the faith to give in an adult uh, missionary way to our kids, they notice it. And no matter what our, our words and our habits might say, they can, they can kind of, that's the scary thing about teenagers. They can see deeper to our hearts and they can see whether it's there or not. And when you raise up an adult, usually some kids, yeah, come with, I mean, to a point where they can share their faith, some kids come with them. Exactly. And that was the other thing that I saw was, oh, you know, everyone, oh, there's so many fruits from your Y disciple group. Look at, you know, how wonderful these girls are. And a little part of me would always be like, yeah, but it was easy because Nearly every girl I had in my group had an amazing home life yeah. with faithful parents. So <laughs> they were set up for success. Like regardless of I, if I was there or not, I truly believe that they would still be practicing their faith because mm-hmm. that's the way they grew up. So although I, 
I know they have communicated to me and I know that I had a part in helping elevate their faith. It was still like their parents were so influential. They all had such good faithful parents. So let's shift gears a little bit because I mean, this is again, just the call itself is amazing. And I hope our listeners who are like, if you're wrestling with this, just know that like it is possible that it actually might be the voice of the Lord telling you to stop doing some formal ministry at your parish and he might be leading you. And if you're trying to sort that out, like talk to a, talk to a wise spiritual friend, right? Someone who, who knows what the voice of the Lord sounds like and can help you think through that. Cause it, cause it just, if all we do today is just introduce the possibility that, yeah, that actually could be the voice of Jesus. You know, he doesn't necessarily want to find you in, you know, the parish kitchen when he returns, he, he might, <laughs> he might want to find you in the living room, uh, with some friends. Right. Can I speak just one more thing quickly, Jim? It just made me think another deciding factor, if this is something you're wrestling with, I was also finding it difficult. Cause I think, which I think we're going to talk about here in a little bit, but so much of building these authentic friendships and evangelizing through friendships is that same thing that wasting time together And I just remember when I started Wide Disciple, I was like, yes, I'm going to go to their volleyball games and their basketball games. And that is going to be this great evangelization tool where I get to know them. And it became this part of my ministry with my kids of getting older. I just, I couldn't, like, that was not the stage of life I was in. I could not commit to going to their activities, but I naturally, my kids were starting preschool. I was naturally at school functions with other parents. I was naturally with other stay-at-home moms. The the places in my life that I naturally was, was with other adults. And so that also was just like, oh, this would be so much easier to serve these people because I'm just around them all the time. Yeah. I mean, it, it is really one of the, right, one of the foundations of discernment. Like what are the, what, what are the natural circumstances the Lord has given me? Um, and yeah, you kind of lean into that. It's like these, well, I'm around these other moms and I, I've got this, yeah. I've got this opportunity, this little mission field in front of me. Yeah. So, okay, Michelle, I think a lot of people, as they think about evangelizing a friend, the fear that comes up is I'm going to blow it or more, maybe more precisely, I'm going to actually ruin the friendship because we're going to be hanging out and we're going to like each other and it's going to be fun. And then I'm, and then I'm going to say, Hey, do you want to do a Bible study? And it's going to be all over. Uh, how do you know when is the right time to invite your friend to take the next step in their faith journey? Yeah, so good. I'm so excited about this story because God showed up really big time for me. Um, during COVID, when COVID started, uh, everything kind of shut down, but it seemed like a few times these four couples, uh, my husband and myself, and then these three other couples just naturally kept being put together. Mm. Like we naturally, it was just, it wasn't even intentional. We were always just the ones hanging out, just us four. And it was simple things. Like for my birthday, we just, we went out to eat and we had some drinks. I mean, like very simple stuff. One night we were together, we played a board game. We ended up taking our kids tubing one summer at Valentine. And there's other people in- Yes. Yes. You must go. (laughs) Which there's other people invited, but it just, 
it was us for couples. It was just like ridiculous how us for couples kept being kind of placed together. And so I remember I was also in a season then of the Lord, just kind of during prayer, just wanted me to rest, just rest, rest, don't ask, just rest. And I was praying Lexia with some friends and it was the Bible verse, you know, asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, you know, and I just vividly remember hearing on my heart, Jesus being like, it's time to start asking. I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to ask for? And it was just like this, like radical conversion of your friends. All right. Not for sure. We're going with this, what that means. I don't know, but like, let's do this. And I just heard about the missionary prayer chart recently through the mentorship program and specifically praying for specific people. And uh, it was a couple of months later, I would say, and another lady in our parish had approached me and said, I'm looking for someone to lead a couple's Bible study. It can kind of be whatever you want, but we kind of want to do it as part of like our family faith formation with some parents who have kids and family faith formation. Like, do you feel called to anybody to lead a couple's Bible study? <laughs> okay. All right, wow, Lord. That's awesome. And, and got just a message. Maybe, before we go further, just like the this crazy high-tech tool called the missionary prayer chart is basically a piece of paper where you write down the names of people God has put in your life and you remember to pray for them, right? I mean, there's more to it than that, but that's like just for people like, ooh, what is this fancy tool? Um, it's, yes. paper, it's paper with names of people that we pray for. <laughs> right, so, so that happened. I was like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, these other three couples and us, we get along so well and- we've been like, I just feel we keep getting put together in these situations and they have kids that go to our Catholic school. We all do. And, you know, this could be a couple's Bible study. And so that night before (laughs) I lost steam, I was just so excited before I got too scared because this once again is like this beautiful friend group and we have so much fun together, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't a lot of like sharing with Jesus. I mean, we all, all Christians, all church, you know, it just wasn't a lot of that's what the conversation revolved around. It was just more like, let's have fun together. And so a little bit scary because I never brought something like this up to this group. And so I was like, instant call them before my mind could talk me out of it and just like blab. So excited and just invite, do you think you would be up for doing like a six week Bible study? You know, it's like downplaying it. No big deal. It's going to be super chill. And they all said yes. Like instantly all said yes. There was no think about it. It was all just yes. And I really think it's because even if they were like, this is a little crazy, we were just good enough friends that it didn't matter. We just enjoyed hanging out together. And we knew that also it wasn't me trying to be like, now it's time to bring you to the dark side (laughs) and make you more like me. It was like, let's just all grow together. This is just the next natural step for our relationship is that we would maybe grow in intimacy together with Jesus. And so it wasn't that scary. Well, and there's credibility too. You know, I mean, I think people can feel when you're, you're developing a friendship with someone and then there's this invitation like, uh, hey, I started this business or whatever, you know, like, oh, hey, I'm a yes. part of this, I'm a part yes. of this church. And people are like, oh, but you had a foundation. Like, no, there's a there's a real friendship here, which right beautifully, right. you were able to develop the real friendship because Jesus is like, just rest, just have fun, 
just be a friend. And then when the time yes. is right, boom. So if we had to boil it down, like how do you know when the right time to invite your friend to take the next step in their faith? You're like, uh, I don't know, let the Lord tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Crazy. absolutely. That's a hundred percent what it is. Let the Lord tell you. If you are praying for those people, I mean, he just shows up, he shows up, but you also have to be willing. You have to be preparing your heart. That's why prayer is so essential because you have to be pre- preparing your heart every day so that you can listen to when the Lord does call you. Yeah. So Michelle, tell us more about how this unfolded. Cause I've, I've heard tidbits of this story and I forget. I mean, one of the things that, you know, that like, uh, I, I remember you saying just as, as, as I think as this particular Bible study was unfolding that there was like, Oh man, like, I mean, I've got my churchy friends and I've got my having fun drinking friends, but I've never tried to turn one into the other. Like, how did that go? <laughs> right. I mean, they said yes, but I, but I'm assuming like, you know, halos didn't immediately pop up as soon as they said, yes, Bible study one. Tell us a little bit how that unfolded. Yeah. So we ended up meeting during Lent once a week during Lent and my, uh, friend graciously offered to host her house, which is a huge blessing because it's hard with kids. Mm-hmm. And she was able to find, um, her mom was able to watch the kids. And so nice. we could go over there. Yeah. And she's just way better at housekeeping than me. So it was just a gift <laughs> to like use her charism as well. Like, oh, everything's going to be so nice and orderly here. Yeah. So it was a gift. Well, and, and, it's, and hard. It was- it's hard to do both. Even if you're good at it, actually, I would say like little tangent here. If you are a really good host, it's it's hard to do both. It's hard to facilitate the group and attend to people and do that. And usually one wins and one loses. And so if you can invite other people, if you know the Lord's called you to be the kind of facilitator organizer, then man, let other people do the hosting. hundred percent. That was such a huge blessing to me to not have to worry about getting my house ready. And to just be able to go over there. And then I could leave my kids here with a babysitter. So that was a huge blessing. But yeah, when we got there, I would just say it was very, I mean, obviously there's a little nerves because you haven't talked about this with your friends before. Mm-hmm. There is some like taboo around it almost. But once I started, it was instantly every time just all the worries melted away because we were just friends chatting. So there were constantly constantly like inside jokes and inappropriate things being said the whole time but it was still we were praying Lexio we did the encounter series that the archdiocese has so we were praying Lexio together and then just these deep questions and there was not one person that didn't have something to say that you're like oh I wish that they would go deep it was actually the opposite it was surprising the depth that they had and the amount that they wanted to share and I remember that first night when my husband and I rode home, he was just like, I think this is really good because I think that (laughs) we're all want a deeper community. Like we want good friends where you can go deeper with. And that it it wasn't awkward because we'd had this friendship. So you had the ability to not take it too seriously. Like now is the prayer time and you must be quiet and only have very, you know, Yeah. I love that you said like, oh, they were saying inappropriate things like the whole time. Like, I love that because like what I hear is like they, people were still themselves. 
There was people yes. were still being honest and they weren't pretending. Um, and it's like, ah, I don't know how often, right. We fall into the trap and the lie thinking that like, <laughs> that like we have to pretend for each other or worse yet, def- you know, pretend for the Lord. It's like, like Jesus doesn't know I'm bored. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no. I was like, uh, he can read it on your face. Everybody can read it on your face and he can also read your heart. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, even one of them texted me when it was all done and just said, I just want to apologize for what bad and terrible students that we were, but I really want to thank <laughs> I really want to thank you for doing this is all it was. And I was just like, Oh man, I never once was like, you guys are being terrible. I was actually the opposite. So thankful. They were just being real. That's when it would have been awkward if they would have stopped acting like themselves. Like, and then you would have known you weren't getting anywhere, but that they had the ability to still be honest and just be themselves. Give us a little bit of like the fast forward of like, just yeah, what what has happened since then? Because I know there's been a while uh, ago. To give it a little bit of the fast forward of like what what has come from this and and where the group has gone now, or is is at now. Yeah. So I mean, my hope and intention is that we will do this again this coming Lent and mm-hmm. do the next series that comes after the encounter series. Um, but I think it just kind of breaks open the barrier that you don't have to be afraid to talk about that stuff with one another. Like we've already broken that barrier. So now if something is brought up about religion or Jesus or faith, mm-hmm. it's not so it's not such a scary thing because we've already we've already been yeah. through it. We've already talked about it. Yeah, that's huge. So it's, it's no longer taboo. Yes, it's no longer taboo. Yeah. So, Michelle, as we wrap up here, like, what would you say to someone who's listening, you know, feeling the call to to try and like integrate their faith into their friendships? Where would you encourage them to begin? Mm. I would just say first start with the people around you that are right in front of you. And mm-hmm. also just, I know my, my own personal self, I just, I also had a need of wanting friends of mm-hmm. wanting good friends. And so this was kind of me seeking out good friends where this came, this came about and kind of feeling that need yeah. <laughs> of wanting friends, but then not being afraid to waste time with your friends. I think it's so important if you, people, can see when you're not authentic. They can see right through that, just like we were talking about. And so I think if your intention is like, oh, I'm going to get these people on board so that I can make them like me, or I can uh, quickly evangelize them and fix them. Yeah. Like that is so not the point. And they will see through that right away. So I think uh, you have permission to just make friends and to enjoy that process to hang out with your friends, to laugh with your friends, to play board games with your friends and to get to know them really well, to go out to eat and have a drink with your friends. I mean, just to live that experience, like God wants that for you too. And that building that trust takes a lot of time, a lot of time. And to not um, underestimate the power of that and not to think that you're not doing enough by just building friendships, quality friendships, yeah. but that's somehow inadequate because 
that's a building block, the foundation for then going deeper. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, everybody, that's your homework. Uh, Go waste time with a friend. And I would just add, start with wasting time with the friend, with Jesus. Michelle, we wanted to highlight a couple of resources here at the end, uh, things that you found really helpful. Uh, I'll start off. You mentioned the Encounter series. I'm a big fan of of the Encounter series. For those who are not familiar with it, uh, just go to equip.archomaha.org or go to Live Lent Together. Um, we're actually even like near the top of like Google right now. So if you go to Live Lent Together, it's on the Archdiocese of Omaha uh, main page website. Um, but the Encounter series is is a super simple, easy, no preparation required Bible study that centers on the Word of God. So that if you're a little bit like I don't know, I'm not a teacher. Like Jesus does all the all the heavy lifting. It's just designed to help facilitate a conversation between friends where you invite the Lord to take center stage. And again, my experience, very similar to yours, Michelle, I've done, I don't know, six different groups with it now. I've done father-son groups. I know people that have done family sharing groups, like literally with like parents in Omaha, kids in China and, you know, and South Carolina and... Virginia, like Pennsylvania, all across the country, doing it via, you know, Facebook and Zoom, uh, all sort of couples groups. It really is a fantastic resource. And that's just the first in a series. So if you're interested in the Encounter series that Michelle mentioned, you can go check that out. Uh, you can find it on equip.archomaha.org. Uh, Michelle, yeah, what else? My- well, okay. my non-Catholic, my non-Catholic sister-in-law actually uses the Encounter Bible Study as yeah. well, and she, she keeps coming back to it because she's like, "It's just so simple and easy, and so good every time. Like, it doesn't matter how many times I do it, or if I've done it before, I get something new out of it every time." Yeah, that's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, very yeah. cool. With like a, a, you know, like a, I'm no somebody's not from a churchy background. They're not Catholic. They're maybe not even Christian. It's, it's, it works great for that audience. And then for people who've, you know, kind of been Catholic all my life. Michelle, what else do you got? Okay. So I just wanted to share this fun little thing. My friends, if any of my friends listen to this, they're going to be like, oh, she didn't bring this up again. But I have been taking this class called the art of being a woman. And it was created by this January Donovan who her and her husband are devout Catholics but I'm, I'm taking the course through Leah Darrow, which a lot of people know Leah Darrow in the well Catholic known. world. Yeah, she's wonderful. Yes, yeah, so she is kind of like my coach. I mean, I don't personally get coached by her, but me and like 90 other women are being kind of coached by her. Anyway, it has so much just practical advice. So the example that I think of is for most of my growing up, the thought of preaching the gospel was like, no, no, don't do that. You preach by example. You do not preach by words. And any encounter I'd had with someone trying to preach the gospel to me was so awkward and weird. I was instantly turned off by it. So I just mm-hmm. thought it's not the right thing to do. And but this course has kind of helped me realize to be self-aware of those things that have been wired over and over and over again into our heads, like that 95% that we don't even think about. And that was kind of my belief was like, don't verbally share the gospel. Don't do no. that. And so to kind of bring that up and be like, well, that's not true. That's not what Christ calls us to. And that you can share it without being weird. You can share it effectively. We're called to share it. And so to kind of rewire 
my brain to realize I can learn from the bad experiences that I've had, how not to do it. Um, I can use that as a tool to now more effectively share the gospel and that everything is a skill. Sharing the gospel is a skill. Um, being patient is a skill that we have to work on. Mind management is a skill, not just saying, oh, I can't, I could never do that. I could never do that. So it's just been really good to like rewire some bad uh, patterns of thought that I think that I've yeah. had that have limited, limited what Christ wants to do in my life. And so it's just a real practical uh, program that kind of helps you live more fully alive, the nice. life that Christ wants for you. Say the title again, and then we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, it's called The Art of Being a Woman Masterclass. They are the woman school. There's also the man school, which I don't know as much about because I'm not taking that course. But yeah, the Fair art enough. of being a woman. Yes. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, and uh, yeah, really appreciate your, your spending time with us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was an honor to be asked. Awesome. All right, everybody. Go make a friend, go be a friend, go introduce a friend to Jesus uh, and have a great day. 